Well, thank you so much for being here this morning. I appreciate it uh, for all of you who call Crossline home. And if you're here as a guest, thank you so much for, for being here. Uh, we, we really do appreciate you, you coming here. Uh, it's going to turn out to be a great day. What a good way to get it started, being here worshiping uh, the Lord together. And we understand as a guest, uh, maybe you uh, have uh, been part of a church, or maybe this is the first time you've really ever been to church. We like to say that Crossline is a safe place to hear a life-changing message because we believe that everybody's on a spiritual journey. Wherever you are, whatever your background, how many times you've been to church, whether you've read the Bible or never even opened the cover of it before, you're on a spiritual journey because God says he created us to know him. And uh, each of us are at a different place in that journey, and the real question is what's our next step? So it doesn't really matter where you've come from, it's where you're going. And, and there is a next step for every one of us here this morning. We're in a series called uh, Transformed, and we're talking about the supernatural life of Christ in us and through us. Um, I, I use that term very specifically because when you look at the Bible, what it says about Jesus, who he is, what he taught, what he did, and what he wants to do in us, it's nothing short of supernatural. Because the Bible declares that when, when a person steps into a relationship with God, we call that crossing the line around here. It, it's like there's a line in the sand and God's on that side and we're on this side. And, and we, we come to a place that we want to know him, we want to be in relationship with him, and we literally cross the line. We, we believe in him and we receive him into our lives. The Bible says Jesus actually comes inside of us. So being a Christian isn't just following a new moral code or starting to go to church or putting on some kind of religious outward uh, display. In fact, it's not, nothing like that at all. It's actually being changed on the inside. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So Jesus actually lives inside of us. And what we've been talking about is, uh, in this series, Transform, how do we experience that connection with Jesus so Jesus actually lives through us? He, he thinks with our minds. He loves with our hearts. He speaks with our mouths. He, he lives his resurrection life through our body. That's supernatural life. That's being transformed. Now, up to this point in our discussion, much of what we've been talking about is what God does how God takes the initiative and, and God makes us new people and God comes to live inside of us and God works through us. And what I want to talk about today is kind of turning the corner a little bit and talk a little bit about our part in that engagement. This may be the most simplest yet the most practical message you've heard in this series. So I, I really want you to listen. If you like taking notes, take some notes because I want to, I want to, share some things that I think will give you an actual game plan, a day-to-day -day game plan for you to engage with God to experience supernatural life in Christ. I'm, I'm basing it on this passage, although there are many passages that teach this truth, but here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, it says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So here, here's, here's the truth. I'm going to come back to it many, many times. We work out what God works in. We work out what God works in. Let me explain this passage and try to break it down. This would be, in, in uh, for, for those of you who love this kind of stuff, this would be 
exegesis. This is where you really go verse by verse, word by word, and explain what's going on. I'm doing this because I want you to see how this principle is straight out of the Bible. So first of all, Paul says, therefore, that's a connection word in, 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 in language. And in the original language, in the Greek language, it's connecting the thoughts that were been expressed before with what he's about to say. Well, in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter two, what Paul has just said is this unbelievable statement about who Jesus is. He just said, Jesus existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He actually emptied himself and took the form of of a servant and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself into the point of death, death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow, what an awesome statement about Jesus, how awesome he is. And then he says, therefore... So because of who Jesus is, what should our response be? Well, we should work out what God works in. We we should be engaged with him. We should grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus, and we should live more uh, the, the new life that Jesus has come to give us because of who he is, you see. Therefore, he says, uh, since you've always obeyed. See, he's talking about obedience. Uh, he, he's talking about living the Christian life. He's talking about the response that we have to Jesus Christ. It shouldn't surprise us, wherever we may be in our spiritual journey, that being a Christ follower means following. There's a response to Jesus that's expressed in worship and and obeying his commands and loving people and serving others. That's, That's being obedient. So that's what he's talking about. He says, just as you have obeyed, I'm kind of calling you to even a deeper experience of obedience. And he says, not only in my presence, your obedience was not just in my presence. In other words, it wasn't just kind of a surfacey kind of thing. The Apostle Paul kind of being like the, the four-star general of the, of the Christian army showing up, so everybody kind of acts a certain way while Paul's there, but then when Paul leaves, they go back to the same old, same old. No, he says, your obedience is deeper than that. It's genuine. It's from the heart. And uh, I, I want you to even progress further in, in your o- obedience. I want it to be authentic. I want it to be a response to Jesus, not to me or to people, a response to Jesus. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not just in my presence, but now even more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation. That's one term in the Greek language. It's the Greek verb katergazomai. That's kind of cool to say, you know. Katergazomai. Katergazomai doesn't mean to work for. It means work out. It's a term that's describing the expression of an already achieved reality. So he says, work out your salvation. What's the achieved reality? Salvation. It's not work for your salvation. It's not these are the 10 things you got to do in order to get saved. No, you're already saved. You've experienced Jesus in your life. You're forgiven. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. God began something new in you. God put into you salvation. Now the command is work it out. Bring it to completion. Express it to its fullest. Bring it to the conclusion that God intended it to have in your life. Grow up. Work out your salvation. And he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
That's one of those phrases that is, is understood more by how it's actually used in speech than the particular words. We, we call those things colloquial expressions. <laughs> slang. It's a, you know, you, we all use slang, and the meaning of slang is kind of in the context of how it's used more than just the words that, that are there. In fact, you know, a lot of us just came back from, uh, from Haiti, and there's a, when you want to ask somebody in, in Haiti how they're doing, you say, sac passe, and then they respond and say, naboule. Oh, you think, oh, that means how are you? And they say, I'm doing very well. No, actually it means how hot are you? And the answer is, I'm burning ice. <laughs> but in the colloquial expression, it's how you doing. Well, I'm doing great. See? So Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And what that meant was, know that God's your audience. And this is a holy task. And this is, this is expressing to God the best of your worship. So take it seriously. Don't, don't be all legalistic about it, but understand you're doing business with God in the way you live your life as a Christ follower. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then he says, for God is at work in you to will and to work according to his good pleasure. You see, the point is, in authentic Christian growth, our working out is merely the response to what God has already worked in. So our obedience isn't trying to work for something. It's just naturally expressing what's already there. We, we work out what God's worked in. God has worked in and continually, it's in a present tense, God continually works in us to will and to work according to his good pleasure. It's God flowing into our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit in us and us just living that out in freedom in Christ, but in freedom that's expressed in obedience. It's God who is working in to will and to work according to his good purpose. You know, God has a purpose for our lives. That God has a bigger purpose to bring him glory and to accomplish his kingdom will. But all that God is working in our lives that we work out in our worship and service and obedience and witness for Christ, that, that, that's, that's purposeful. That's why one of the, the hallmarks of a Christ follower is they got a purpose for their life. They're not just kind of making big ones into little ones, checking off boxes. They're living with purpose, destiny, calling, because God has a purpose for our lives. And so the, the spiritual growth that we experience isn't just for self-realization. No, it's for God's purposes. So that's just working our way through the passage. Now, what's the principle? What's observing the principle? Well, I told you. We experience supernatural life in Christ as we work out what God works in. We work out what God works in. Say that with me. We work out what God works in. Let's say it again. We work out what God works in. So here is this picture that God is giving us. He, he at salvation, comes into our life and starts something brand new inside of us. He makes us new people. We have a brand new spiritual identity. We've, we've talked about this. He gives us the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this. He, he gives us all these resources to win the spiritual battle. We just talked about that. Now, what God is saying is do something with that. Steward that. Manage that. Express that. Live a life that 
puts that's all that good stuff into actual practice. Work out what, what God has, has worked in. So this means, this means we need to be proactive in seeking God to be working in our lives and we need to be proactive in working out everything that God works in. See, it's really basic. If I can now just reduce it down to the most practical. The, the growing Christian life, the person who's experiencing tr- supernatural life in Christ, the person that's being transformed, there are in that person's life observable habits and disciplines and experiences where they're connecting with Jesus and they're getting the life of Jesus inside of them. And there are observable, tangible expressions of how they're taking everything that they're getting from Jesus and living that out in obedience and in service and in worship and in witness. And if those two things aren't happening, you're not being transformed. If just one of them's happening, you're not being transformed. If neither are happening, you may not be a follower of Jesus at all. So let's look at the options. Let, let's, let's look at these options because we need to, we need to, con, we need to consider. But, but first of all, just before we do that, just to let you know, I'm not the only person who ever thought up this idea. One of my favorite devotionals is, uh, is uh, My Utmost for His Highest by, by Oswald Chambers. This is what Oswald, Oswald Chambers says about this very, this very principle. He says, remember that you have been saved so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in your body. Direct the total energy of your powers so that you may achieve everything that your calling in Christ was done for. You did not do anything to achieve your salvation. It's a gift of grace, but you must do something to exhibit it. You must work out your own salvation, which God has worked in. Are are your speech, is your thinking, are your emotions... Do they evidence that you're working out your new life in Christ? You see, in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, add to your faith. Add means that we have to do something. We're in the danger of forgetting that we cannot do what God does and that God will not do what we can do. We can't save ourselves. We can't transform ourselves. God does that. But God will not give us good habits. God will not give us good character. God will not make us make good decisions. We must choose that. We must work out our salvation, which God has worked in. See, we work out what God works in. Let's say that again. We work out what God works in. Okay, now, I said there's some options. There's options. Here's the first option. It's what I call the depraved life. The depraved life. This option is there's no working in and there's no working out. There's there's no evidence of a connection with Christ and there's no, uh, no expression of new life in Christ. This is what Romans 1 describes as a person who's spiritually depraved. They're lost. They're disconnected from God. This is someone who's not a believer, doesn't claim to be a believer. There's nothing about their life that represents Jesus because there's no working in and there's no working out. And, and I, I don't say this as a, as a critical judgment. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here. But let me say, if you honestly were to look at your life and say, yeah, that, I mean, honestly, 
I'm not actively trying to experience Jesus' work in my life, and uh, there's nothing where I'm actively trying to express new life in Christ. You're probably not a Christ follower. You may want to be. Awesome. This is a place where you can hear and find out how you can be. But people that have no seeking of Jesus and no obedience to Jesus are not people who are followers of Jesus. That's, not a, that's just an objective statement. I'm not trying to be critical or, or judgmental at all. But that's the depraved life because there's no spiritual life. And that's what we were created for, to have a spiritual connection with God and to, and to express that out in loving God and loving our neighbor. And, and so if, if that doesn't exist at all within a person, they're totally disconnected from their real purpose. And, and if that's you, God wants to give you purpose. But it, it begins with you crossing the line and asking Jesus to come into your life, confessing that you are disconnected from God and and telling him you want a relationship with him. That's an option. No no working in and and no no working out. Here's a second option. It's what I call the deceived life. The deceived life. This is a person where there's working in but no working out. There's working in, but no working out. So this is, this is a person who, who probably goes to church, probably is in a Bible study, probably uh, reads Christian books, probably listens to Christian radio, probably likes to get into discussions about Christian things. But there isn't the love of Jesus the compassion of Jesus, the humility of Jesus, the graciousness of Jesus. There isn't uh, acts of service. There there isn't a a wholesome obedience. This isn't a kind of person that's a life giver and actually actually the kind of person that's a life sucker because they want to argue about nitpicky things that don't even matter. They want to argue about what the meaning of some beast in the book of Revelation is and and not even care about whether they're really loving God and loving their neighbor. They want to champion the right-wing, conservative, political, Christian agenda and not even have compassion to hurting people. They they want to, well, you know, you get the point. You may be one of these people. You may know one of these people. But see, that's, it's, it's a deception because people who have that think, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Christian, I'm a godly Christian because they know all this stuff. The Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Knowing a lot of stuff does not equal spiritual transformation. Now, you've got to know some things to be spiritually transformed, but you can know a lot of stuff but not be living it out in healthy, authentic obedience. See, it's, this is a, it's, there's working in, but there's no working out. So it, it's, there's a spiritual deception about that. It's kind of like the Dead Sea in Israel. In, in, you, how many have heard of the Dead Sea? Yeah, why do you think they call it the Dead Sea? Yeah, it's dead. Uh, the River Jordan comes into it and deposits into it all of these unbelievable minerals. In fact, there's so much mineral deposit, you can float in the Dead Sea. I've done it many times. You go in the Dead Sea, you go out and you just kind of float. And, and you get this kind of filmy stuff on you that makes great scrub. You know, it's great exfoliant. 
but it's dead because there's all this stuff coming in and nothing going out, and that's why no life is in there. Fish don't live in it. Plants don't live in it. If you stayed in the Dead Sea for a while, you wouldn't live in it. See, it's dead because there's input, but there's no output. And there's a lot of people like that in the church. It's, it's kind of like that rag underneath your sink that you use to clean the sink, but you don't rinse afterwards. So there's input, but it just sits there in the bacteria, and you pick it up, and you go, whoa, that stinks. Hey, don't be offended, but some of you stink. See, there's input, but there's no output. That's not healthy spirituality. That's not transformed life. That's not the supernatural life in Christ. That's, that's a deception. There's a third option. It's the doing life. See, the doing life. This is the person, no input, but unbelievable output. The doing life. These people are busy and they're involved, and when they're in the church, they're busy and involved in the church. They serve. They're, I mean, they, they serve. They will volunteer and, and serve and do all kinds of stuff, and, and they will be there, and they'll show up, and they'll tirelessly work. They're doers. They volunteer. They serve. They're busy. They got no margin in their life. They're so busy. But there's no spiritual input. You know, there's no time daily with Jesus. There's no heart worship expression. There's very little prayer. They're so busy. They're too busy for that kind of stuff. They're, they're like, uh, what's the gal in the Bible? What's her name? Martha. Yeah, yeah, some of you know it, Martha. See, this is a story, Luke 10. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had to say. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about so many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what's better, and it will not be taken away from her. I'll tell you how we got so twisted in, in, our, in our church culture. I've, I've heard people teach on Mary and Martha, and they defend Martha. Well, well, somebody has to do that stuff. Somebody has to set up the chairs and somebody has to serve the food and somebody and then they, they they look at that passage and somehow they come away from that passage defending Martha when Jesus kindly gently graciously rebuked Martha yeah chairs need to be set up and food needs to be served of course that but this is a heart issue some of us in our hearts will just be busy serving, but there's no input. And you know what happens? We become like Martha. We judge the people who are not doing what we do. We get short, with the, we get frustrated, we get angry. People start to bug us. We're, we, we're quick-tongued and, and we burn out and we overload. And then we don't wanna be involved at all because that church used us and abused us when the problem was we were doers, not people who were living in spiritual transformation. There was output, but there was no input. You see? Output, but no input. So you see, 
the, the healthy, growing Christian life where there's spiritual transformation, we're becoming more and more like Jesus on a, on a continuous basis, is we work out what God works in. You could have no working in and no working out. You could have working in but no working out. You can have working out and no working in. There's a fourth option. It's the disciplined life. That's where we work out what God works in. There's a healthy spiritual balance of God working in and us working it out. It's not either or, it's both. It's intentional, it's dynamic, it's healthy, it's productive, it's reproductive. It's not let go and let God. No, it's engage with God and live it out. It's experiencing everything that the Holy Spirit can fill your life up with and then living that out in obedience and service and witness for Christ. It's healthy. There's input and there's output. That's the transformed life. It's, it's, it's a life of spiritual discipline. Now, see, some of us hear that, and that sounds negative to us. But it, it's a great word. It means intentionality and focus and, and, and healthy activity. First, towards God, so that we get everything that he has to give us, all of his life, all of his love, all of his power, all of his joy, all of his hope, all of his fullness, and then towards people in service and obedience and, and witness and care and compassion. And see, it, it, there's input and there's output. That's spiritual transformation. So the disciplined life is characterized by specific Habits of connection, engagement, and seeking, and specific habits of expression, outworking, and obedience. I told you this is really simple. See, because it's we work out what God works in. Let's say that. We work out what God works in. See, if you're if you're trying to work it out and you're not letting God work in, you're just being busy. If God's working in your life but you're not working out, you're deceived. If there's no working in or working out, you, you may not be a follower of Jesus at all. Does the healthy, transformed relationship with Jesus Christ where we are growing spiritually, we are becoming more and more like Jesus. We are experiencing more and more the supernatural life of Jesus. It's the life where there are habits of getting God working in our life and there are habits of us working it out in, in ways that bring glory to him and, and, and bless others. That's like the Sea of Galilee in Israel. Because the Sea of Galilee in Israel, the Jordan River comes down from, its, from where it, it starts in the mountains and comes into the Sea of Galilee, and then it goes out from the Sea of Galilee down to the middle of, of Israel, or the edge of Israel, what would have been in the middle of ancient Israel. And in the Sea of Galilee... There is life. It supports not only Israel, it supports many of the countries in the Middle East with all the, the life that comes out of the Sea of Galilee because there's input and there's output. You want to be a life giver? To bless your family, to bless your neighbors, to bless people at church? There's got to be input and there's got to be output. That's just a healthy, growing, spiritual life. Now, these are habits of the heart. Because remember, Jesus said it, 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 it's the heart. Out of the heart flows 
the issues of life. That's what Proverbs says. So it's a transformed heart. But a transformed heart is expressed in the in habits that engage with God so that we receive his life he works in. And, it, and the transformed heart is, is expressed in habits of living that out in, in obedience and service and worship and uh, witness. So applying this truth, just now trying to be super practical, because remember, I want you to go away with the game plan. You might want to write some of these things down. I'm going to give you some habits to help you engage with God so he works in, and some habits of you working it out. All right? So habits of receiving. How do we get let God work in us? This is just what, you know, and by the way, this is not original stuff. There's, the Bible says nothing new under the sun. This is stuff that's just all over the Bible. It's stuff that's true all throughout Christian history. If, if there was someone that was a person of spiritual transformation, you would have found this to be true in their life. And it's true today. If you know someone in this church or you know someone that is a, just they, they have a healthy, growing life, they're following Jesus, they're life-giving, you will find out these habits are in their life. That's just, it's just a truism. So habits of receiving. How do we let God work within us? Number one, worship. We come to God in worship. We experience him in worship. We, we pour out our hearts to him and he speaks to us and he transforms us and we sing and we praise and we confess and we vow and we make offerings. All that's involved in worship. And by the way, that needs to be a habit. It, 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 it actually needs to be a habit. When I first became a follower of Jesus, I was in high school. I, I've told you my story many times. My brother was kind of the, the key influencer, but I was by myself when I received Christ. I told my brother that I'd become a Christian. He bought me a Bible, said you need to read this every day, and, 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 I, and, I, and I did. And then uh, really the first person I told was one of my coaches, and and he was pretty excited that I'd become a follower of Christ. He was a Christian, and, and he told me about a couple other guys in our high school that were Christians that were athletes, and we started meeting together in kind of in a small group, and then we formed that into what's called a huddle group, and we affiliated with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. But, you know, all that time, I never went to church. So I was kind of reading the Bible and meeting with some people, but there was no worship of, in my life. And um, actually, as a young believer... From just reading the Bible, I realized I needed, I, I, needed to, I needed to go to church. And I didn't because as a kid, I went to church a few times and I found it really boring. And I just thought, okay, I now have received Christ and I'm reading the Bible. I don't need to go to church. But you know what? I was wrong. We need to go to church. Because that's where we get to worship in a corporate way. And it's one of the ways that God pours into our lives. And, and so for some of us, it needs to become a habit, not a hit, hit and miss thing, but an actual habit. So every week, we, we are worshiping and receiving from God the experience of corporate worship. Okay, here's another habit. Um, seeking prayer. Seeking prayer. Well, what do you mean? Not just, you know, at dinner time, Lord bless his food. Rub-a-dub-dub, here comes the grub. Amen. No. Nor, nor just those missile prayers. Lord, give me a parking place here at the mall. 
Lord, you know, help me not punch this guy out who just cut me off on the freeway. Lord, help me not scream at my wife because she's, you know, not responding to me the way I want her to be responding. You know, not those kind of prayers. Seeking prayer where you just, you're spending some time with, you, you, you slow down. And you're, you're spending some time with God and you're really talking to him about what's going on in your heart and your life and your marriage and your family and you're really praying. Now, man, God is working on you, tenderizing you and speaking to you and guiding you and helping you and bearing your burdens and you feel like you're actually in, in tune with what he's doing in your life. See, that, that's one of the ways that we experience God, that he works within us. Here's a third way, Bible intake. See, there's all kinds of ways to get the word of God in our life. People will say to me, which way should I study the Bible? I say, the way that you'll actually study the Bible. Which Bible translation should I read? The one you'll actually read. How should I memorize scripture? The way that actually helps you memorize it. And I'm not trying to be evasive or funny, but I know from being a pastor for many years, teaching classes at at Bible school and, and at the graduate level, that I've taught people how to study the Bible and memorize Scripture who never study the Bible and memorize Scripture. You got you to want it, like the old, my old football coach used to say. You got to want it. So how, how do you get God's Word in your life? Where you can read it, you can study it, you can memorize it, you can meditate on it, you can hear it. There's a lot of ways to get it into your life. It's that discipline of every day, um, the, the Bible is in my life. Every day, I'm... I'm I'm in God's word every day. It's, it's kind of touching upon me. We, we, we joke in our family, and this is, it's, it's, it is a joke, but there's truth behind the joke that, you know, because modeling is the greatest form of, of, of teaching. So as parents, you know, we model before our kids all kinds of stuff, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, one of the things that Donna and I, we, we joke about, from our modeling of our kids, there's two things, two behaviors that all three of our young adult children continue to this day. They all work out. I mean, they exercise, they work out, they train physically, and they read their Bibles every day. So, you know, that's what was important, I guess, in our home, you know, being strong Bible readers. (laughs) Bible intake, that's how God will speak to you. Here's a fourth habit, and I'm throwing in a couple of things here, but fasting, journaling, and solitude. This is where you kind of up your game a little bit. It says in Mark 1, they came looking for Jesus, and he, very early in the morning, got away to a lonely place to pray. The Bible talks a lot about fasting as well, and solitude is just slowing down. Psalm 46 says, be still. And know that I'm God. There's so much noise. And by the way, you know, it's a, it's a blessing. You know, cell phones, internet, it's a blessing and a curse. There's all kinds of great things. But the curse is there's information coming at us all the time. And we can't, we can't even not have it. How often are you in a conversation with someone and you, even in the midst of conversation, you take your cell phone out just to see if someone texted you or something new came up on Facebook or, you know, what's the latest thing on Instagram? And it, see, it's, it's, it's a curse as well as a, as a blessing. We, we get God working in our lives when we just kind of disengage 
from people and media and noise. And we listen to what God says and we journal it out and we write it down. See, it's one of the ways that God works within us. And then here's 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 the last one. It's what I call spiritual breathing. I didn't come up with that. I learned that when I worked with crew, Campus Crusade for Christ. So probably Bill Bright was the guy who called that, but it's not even, it's just a biblical principle. Because 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a Bible promise. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, do you want to walk around with a bunch of sin in your life and wait till Sunday to confess it? Or do you want to walk around all day with sin in your life and wait to the end of the night to confess it? Which one would probably, if the Bible promises if you confess your sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, when would probably be the best time to confess your sins? Right now, as soon as you become aware of it, if you said something you should have said and have said, if you thought something you shouldn't have thought, if you did something you shouldn't have did, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit brings you that awareness, that's the moment you should confess it. Because think about this. If you'll practice that, then the amount of time that you would ever be disconnected in fellowship with God would just be that moment of that point of conviction. And you, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. God cleanses you and, and forgives you and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And now you're reconnected with God. You see? And now God could be working in your life. The concept of spiritual breathing is, breathing is, Exhaling and inhaling. So exhale, you confess your sin. Inhale, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit again. Take control of my life. Reconnect me with you. That's spiritual breathing. If you make that a habit, you will always be walking in fellowship with God every day. See? So those are five habits for God to be at work in your life. Now, let me give you five habits for you to work it out. Number one, five habits to work it out. Intentional obedience. What do you mean intentional obedience? I mean, you actually think, oh, there's a command in the Bible that says, forgive as Christ has forgiven me, therefore I can't harbor bitterness towards my wife because the Bible just said forgive. I either choose to do it or not. I can be mad at her all day or I can forgive her. I'm gonna intentionally obey because I'm gonna obey the commands. I'm working it out. Wow. Wow. That, now that just kind of became easy as to what I should do with that hurt that I felt. I need to forgive the person who hurt me. <laughs> uh, I come into a room and there's stuff that needs to be taken care of and I think, I could let somebody else take care of that. Well, there's a command that says, serve one another in love. Oh, I guess I should take care of it and serve. See, I'm intentionally Obeying. So I'm actually living my life with an awareness of God's commands because one of the, I'm in, remember, one of the ways that of, of God working in is Bible intake, right? So I'm reading the Bible and so I'm, I'm getting his commands into my life and now I'm kind of living my life with my spouse, with my kids, at work, driving my car, at church and life every day presents opportunities to either obey or disobey commands from the Bible. I'm working it out by obeying. I'm choosing to obey. It, it, I, this sounds simple. It is profound. 
My, my wife and I will say often when we, we talk about things like this, we'll say, you know, the Christian life works when you live it. <laughs> Obeying the commands, that's living it. Doing your own thing, that's not living it. Doing what everybody in South Orange County does just because people in South Orange County are doing it, that's not living it. Doing what the Bible says, that's living it. See, that's working out what God works in. You read the Bible, now do what it says. This is, just, this is kindergarten stuff, gang. But that's, that's where it starts. Just intentional obedience. Jesus said in John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by the Father and I will disclose myself to him. Intentional obedience. Okay, here's the second one. Serving the church with your spiritual gifts. The Bible says every believer has spiritual gifts. That's part of our salvation. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives. He gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ. The whole illustration in the, in the scriptures over and over again is the church is a body made up of many parts. It's when all the parts are doing what they're supposed to be doing that the body is healthy. So you have a spiritual gift. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have a spiritual gift this church needs. Are you using it? Are you involved in a ministry, a tangible ministry? You're actually serving, not just coming and hearing and leaving, serving. And there's a million ways you can serve around here. But if you're not serving, you're just consuming. Again, I'm not throwing anybody in the bus. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to talk about how we work out what God works in. So we work it out through serving with our gifts the body of Christ. See, I'm making that distinction because here's a third way we work out. Serving the poor, widows, orphans, and the least of these. James chapter 1 says, this is pure and undefiled religion to visit widows and orphans in their distress. Jesus said in Matthew 25, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. So their service that is uniquely tied to the spiritual gifts I have, and then there's just service I do because I'm a Christian. Just, I'm a Christian, so I need to serve. As a poor person, I need to help them. Person needs some food, I need to feed them. Person needs clothes, I need to provide clothes for them. Person's in prison, I need to go visit them. Single mom trying to take care of kids, I need to come alongside and help her. A kid without a dad, I need to mentor him. See, these are just things we do as Christians. It's working it out. See, we work out what God works in. So there's intentional obedience. They're serving with our gifts. They're serving the the poor, widows, orphans, least of these. Here's Here's a fourth way. Tithing, giving to the poor, supporting missionaries. What we do with our money? That's how we work it out. Well, we're to tithe to the church. In addition to that, we're to give to the poor. In addition to that, we're to support missionaries. So we can actually work out all the spiritual blessings that God has put into us and live it out. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if I sowed spiritual blessings into you, shouldn't you in turn give financial blessings back to me? He's just saying, hey, this is the reciprocal relationship. So there's a way we work out our salvation. God works it in. We work out through the way we steward our finances. And, and here's a fifth habit. Being a contagious inviter and witness for Christ. 
Contagious inviter and witness for Christ. Are we telling other people about Jesus? Are we inviting people to church? Are we shining the light of Christ to people? Are we answering their spiritual questions? Are we being ambassadors for Christ? Are we talking about Jesus in a normal, natural way because we love Jesus and he's filling up our lives and God's doing things that we just talk, we're talking about it and we're inviting people. See? So, five habits to connect with Christ, let him be working in us. Five habits to be living it out so we work out what God works in. I'll send you these in, in an email. But the real issue isn't, did you take notes on them and do you know them and can you regurgitate them back to me? Are you doing it? Am I doing it? See, because if I'm getting input but I'm not giving any output, then I'm, I'm deceived. If I'm giving all kinds of output but I'm not getting input, well, then I'm, I'm just busy. If there's no output and there's no input, I'm probably not even a Christ follower. But if I'm disciplined in a healthy way of input and output, I'm growing, I'm being transformed. Now, I want to close with this because I'm already over time. There's actually a, actually a fifth option. I, I, I said there was the, the depraved life, the deceived life, the doing life, the disciplined life. Notice they're all Ds, so this one has a D. I'm calling it the dabbling life. You know what a dabbler is? A little bit of this, a little bit of that, just a little bit. See, the dabbling life is the person, well, there's a little bit of input, and there's a little bit of output, but they're really just dabbling. They just dabble at being a Christ follower. They're, they're affiliated, but they're not activated. They, they are a Christian, but barely. I don't know about you. I, I don't want to be a dabbler. I don't want to be a dabbler. And I don't have to be. And neither do you. See, we can, in the power of the Holy Spirit, engage more with Jesus. And we can, in the power of the Holy Spirit, express more of working out what he's worked in. But we have to want to do it and we have to commit ourselves to doing it. Do you want to experience spiritual transformation in your life? And will you commit yourself to the kind of life that will yield supernatural life in Christ? That's the choice. What do you want? And what are you willing to commit yourself to? Let me pray for us. God, thank you that your word is so clear and your resources are so unbelievable. I pray for myself, I pray for every one of us here that we'd want everything we can have in Christ. We'd want all of the supernatural life that Jesus would produce in us. And I pray for myself, I pray for every person here, we'd commit ourselves to that. We'd commit ourselves to it. 
So transform us, I pray, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.